Welcome to the first Behind the Blade podcast of 2019, episode 41. I can't believe we've done this 40 times already. <laughs> and this is one more yeah, on top one. of it. Yeah. Plus one. <laughs> Unless we get raptured or something, we're going to complete this episode. So yeah, one to go. Um, yeah, I tell you what, I just got done writing pages and pages and pages of notes on today's history segment. So definitely stay tuned for that because it's it's kind of a epic tale of a brand changing hands so many times and it's indicative of what happens in the knife industry that most people are completely unaware of it was hilarious because i'm sitting up here getting everything ready to start recording and i'm hearing matt in the base in the not the basement but the first floor going oh my god Woo! this is awesome i and, hope, yeah, I hope <laughs> you guys find it interesting too because i was literally exclaiming and screaming and yelling to jim about what was about to be read on air so i don't want to overhype it um we're also going to cover uh, a little bit of uh tragedy in the news and uh your q and a's so stay tuned episode 41 it's good to be back gang I would say, and we're back, but in reality, it's here we are. <laughs> that's all we can be. We just are. Wherever here. you go, there you are. <laughs> I. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do we have going on right now? Uh, before we get to the news of the industry in the period between the last episode and today, which that was worded awkwardly, uh, but you get it. Jim received a mail call. What did you get, sir? I. God, wait, hold on, hold on. We have to do this. We do this every time we get a mail call. Mail call. <laughs> All right, now we're back on. Now we're back on track. Now it's official. A few episodes ago, as you guys may remember, I had placed my pre-order. I told you guys I got. I placed my pre-order for the Doug Ritter Hogue Made RSK Mark One G Two, and I'm holding it right now. What does RSK stand for? Um. I didn't mean to button hook you, Jim. I figured you knew. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know. I mean, there's a. The, there, I know that uh, Doug had made an RSK Mark One initially, um, and then um, this is the this is the G2 version. This is the this is the G G2. Yes, don't G2. Try to I was going to be like GS2. Alphanumeric no. nomenclature. Yeah. I, you know, I, you know how well I speak uh, <laughs> alphanumeric. Phonetic <laughs> <laughs> alphabet for Christ's sake. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I've, this is the Mark One G2. I was going to say the GS2. I don't know why, but um, it's a uh, it's a beautiful stone washed blade. It's very well made. M390 steel. It's got like a sunburst pattern in the G10 scales. It's got an axis lock. I think they're calling it an able lock this time around, but it's an axis lock. Uh, because uh, Pet Benchmade's patent expired in 2016, so Doug, uh, when he partnered with Hogue, jumped right on that. I would, I would too, if I were him. Honestly, how did that work with Sog and their? Uh, oh, good gosh! Like the the vision and the X-ray vision, the arc lock. They had the arc lock. Same concept, though, right? Was that licensed by Benchmade, or do you think they dodged it by the seven percent rule? Uh, they probably dodged it by the seven percent rule if it's oh, okay. pre 2016, unless they have a license agreement, which I don't totally know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, either. this would this would have been around late 90s early 2000s oh then yeah then definitely i i, I know that spider code did the seven percent lock by using the same thing you remember that they did that ball on the phoenix it, there was there was a oh, there was an injection molded cup that was in it with handles on each side that had a ball bearing in it that was so cool the phoenix yeah. had that obviously it was uh and i think the manix the manix, had, manix 2 had it as well right yeah. but it had like little plastic tabs on it that, that allowed yeah, that, you to grab the ball that, that's what i'm talking about that was okay. one solid injection molded piece the phoenix didn't have the tabs it was just oh, really? a ball oh it was slick that's cool it was can you pull it up I oh yeah i probably i probably screen. can yeah. hang on let me just make a show note we'll post a picture uh <laughs> in the behind the blade trench crew uh <laughs> Spider-Co, P-H-O-E-N-I-X. Isn't that slick? Oh, yeah, look at that. Let's go right to the images. I mean, it is... That's cool, yeah. That's but, an expensive knife, too. I mean, they're not cheap. Mm, Jim's mm, getting over a cold, so he sounds like a mucus factory. I probably should have led with that. Yeah. Than, uh, you know, so it wasn't grossing people out. I probably lost three or four listeners just on that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get sick just listening to him. 
<laughs> the phlegm content of this episode is unreal. <laughs> this episode's rated PH for phlegm. <laughs> with it, a G. P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-L-P-H-
Jim, I heard you were looking for one of these on the podcast, and I thought I had one. I do not recall where or when I got it. In my youth, I collected about any knife I could, especially Boy Scout knives. I might have gotten it then. It is way too old for me to have used new. I have slowly been getting rid of things I don't use and focus on users or knives with sentimental value over the years. I would like you to have this one. I realized when I was packing this up, this is the first dull knife I've ever given anyone. LOL. (laughs) I trust you put one of your store convex edges on it. Thanks for all you do to further our love of knives, your friend Jerry Fote. Now, he phonetically spells his name on the bottom because I've screwed up his name so many times on the podcast. J-A-R-E-F-O-T with like long hash mark over the fo- over I, the O. I like that he so spelled fo- Jerry too, so you know how to pronounce that. <laughs> like, I think I could figure out the first part there, Jer. <laughs> and uh, and uh, says P.S. Ordered, ordered his Ritter Hogue today too. Nice. So we what, both what knife to... was it? I don't think so you told I, what knife it was. I didn't at all. I was okay. trying to save it for the end, but my uh, I'm, I'm practicing my anticipation. So oh. I get a deep plus on that one today (laughs) so the knife that he sent in was a camillus made in 1961 vintage demo knife that mr matt martin loves so much and carries with him yes this thing is in pristine condition there's no cracks in the springs it has the pocket ripper on the uh on the uh screwdriver and bottle opener attachment it's got the it still has the bail on it it's still in fantastic condition and this is going in my pocket as soon as I can. The can opener is still legible. Is, I tell you, no, but <laughs> in all reality, I've, I've handled a lot of these, and mm-hmm. that one is like a solid 8 out of 10. Like, yeah. I mean, it is, it's a little used, but everything yep. is still tight. I mean, you can pick up a lot of demo knives and shake them, and it sounds like a can of rocks. You right. know what I mean? So, right. No, this thing this thing is rock solid. Nope, and and, uh, and uh, all the tools, there's very, very little light use on the tools, and the blade looks like it was sharpened. Um, poorly, sorry, Jerry, by, by, by at least, at least once or twice. At least one at, Joe from 1961 <laughs> to whenever Jerry got it. No, I, I doubt that Jerry, I, I doubt that Jerry did this. He's been in the eyes way too long yeah. to, to do an edge like this. No, it's cool. Though. But, but no, this is slick and I am extremely excited for it. Uh, thank you, sir. All right. So what? So. Kind of a drag. It wasn't too long ago that we were talking about the passing of A.G. Russell himself. Yeah. And now the industry has lost Mr. Jim Merritt. He's another titan. That uh, Big time. And if if you're not familiar who Jim Merritt is, Jim Merritt uh, worked at and made Loveless Knives. Uh, He met Bob many years ago through various knife shows. And as Jim put it, Bob Loveless would often come over to his booth because he always kept a cooler full of beer under his table. So they would sit there at the show and just drink beer the whole time, and they became friends. And at one point, uh, before Jim had gone to work at the Loveless shop, uh, Bob had called him as he was getting ready to ship a batch of knives to Japan. And he said, Jim, why don't you come over here and take a look at these knives? I'm sick of looking at them, and I just need to make sure that there's nothing I need to clean up before I ship these out. So Jim went by, and he took a look at them and you know, gave his opinions where they were needed. And then Bob looked at him and said, why don't you just stay here? <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history because he mm-hmm. did stay there. And what Jim Merritt did um, above all, uh, and I think some of this can be attributed to Steve Johnson as well, but Jim elevated the quality of the loveless knife. He was a very accomplished knife maker in his own right uh, with huge accent on fit and finish. And it was something uh, between the efforts of uh, himself and Steve Johnson. I don't want to cut Steve out of the loop. Um, they, they really brought, loveless's grade up so if bob was spectacular at design and fine execution uh jim was the one that made it extra fine execution Mm -hmm. like i mean just amazing execution on his knives in the fit and finish and polish and solder joints and everything like that Mm -hmm. so um a huge credit to mr Merritt for all the things that we adore about loveless knives and to be quite honest, nobody can really tell the difference. Uh, there are many knives that are stamped Bob Loveless Maker that Jim actually made. Nobody mm-hmm. is the wiser. He was the right hand of the shop. And even when Bob eventually got tired or disinterested in making knives, Jim carried the torch and and kept the, the shop alive. So um, a little bit of drama in the wake of this, other than the obvious tragedy of losing somebody. But in the knife world, look, guys, this is the ultimate chance at pure unadulterated vanity this is the one thing that we can do as knife makers to be immortal and uh whenever a great knife maker passes especially at an advanced age uh 
you, you can't count it as a loss because their contributions built so much in the industry. So there is no loss in having Jim Merritt's mortal coil, uh, you know, lose its spark because he gave so much to the industry because he cared so much about it and because he inspired so many other makers to carry on that torch and move on. He won't be forgotten. And in that way, be besides his works being immortal, so is his influence. So there was really no loss. There was only a gain from his existence. So we, this one's to you, Jim, I'm cheersing. And, uh, thank you for everything. And I, I hope you rest peacefully depending on what your faith is. Uh, however, there's also another little piece of news. Uh, Jim, do you mind reading the article as it was presented and the subsequent comments? Can you pull it up on the screen so I can see Um, it? Yeah, absolutely can. Hang on. Sorry guys. It's going to be one second. Yep. This is really good radio. <laughs> we're so good at this. Hang on. I don't even know what you just spelt right there. I, I, my fingers were literally in the wrong parts of the key. Jim is like the fastest slash worst typer I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. It, it's so fast and so wrong. <laughs> Hang on. Where are you? I'm right here, man. No, where is where is you? Was it from Akil? Or, from, oh, from me. You it, can it was search, from, can't you? There you are. No, you okay. were literally just underneath that thing. Okay. Uh, right, so he's clicking the link now in the message there it is. That we were talking about. Here it is. Okay. Uh, hang on. I can just make sure. Yep. There it is. Okay. This is from uh, Knife Magazine. Is yep. that right? Knife Mag from Knife Magazine. Um, okay. Official statement from Loveless Knives. Loveless Knives announced today that with the passing of Jim Merritt, the daily operations of the Loveless Knife Shop will now be in the capable hands of Russ Klein. I think that's right. Okay. Russ is the nephew of Loveless, Lo- Loveless Knives founder Bob Loveless and has been working for Jim while perfecting his craft at the shop for the past seven years. Russ is the public face of Loveless Knives, and many of you have met him at the Blade Show at the Loveless Knives booth over the past five years. Yes, I, I see him every year. Gotcha. He's, he's one row over from our booth. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah the time that I was Blade with you, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Russ will be carrying on the legacy of Bob and Jim and will continue crafting and producing the iconic Loveless Knives that everyone knows so well. Loveless Knives at Loveless Knives, Riverside, California, and then um, hashtags. So and this was posted on January 21st. January 21st. Yes, it was. Um, and very nice picture. Very, uh, you know, a nice you know, selection of, uh, of, uh, of, Bob and, of Bob and Jim. Yep, there's, there's mm-hmm. Bob Loveless, Jim Merritt. Why aren't you? Why are you not cooperating, computer? There were other pictures in there, Jim. Make that make go. That go back. Do it again. I'll see this one. There we go. There it and is. there's a picture of Russ standing next to Jim. Right. Uh, and and then the brand and a really yep. artistic shoot knife. Yeah, that's 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 a hot knife. So, whew, here's where it gets interesting. If whew. you go into the comment section, there is one from a Mr. Jim Merritt. Now, this is not the same Jim Merritt. He is not ghost Facebooking. This is his grandson. <laughs> ghost book. Yeah, this is grandson. <laughs> ghost and, book. <laughs> and namesake, which today while I was writing, when you write out the word namesake, it actually looks like a Japanese word. It looks like namasake. So, but uh, <laughs> this is Jim's namesake. Or, yeah, J- Jim Merritt was Jim Merritt's namesake. Uh, this, this is his comment. This is going to be interesting, guys. Yeah. So I just want you to digest what Jim just read to you, and I'll read this. <clears throat> This may quite possibly be the most ridiculous thing I have ever read. Let me introduce myself. My name is Jim Merritt, and I am the grandson of Jim Merritt. I entered Uncle Bob's shop in 1983 when I was eight and my brother was five. No kids had ever been in there, and we treated it like church. That is my grandfather in those pictures and my Uncle Bob standing beside him. My grandfather, an incredibly humble man, was our mentor, our dad, and our idol. One of us talked to him every day. My brother Aaron and I have agreed on everything that I am writing so that everyone knows this comes from the family. Russ Klein in no way represents my grandfather or Bob Loveless. He owns the copyright to the logo because he convinced my grandfather that he needed the publicity after Bob passed to continue to sell knives. Russ is the nephew of Bob's ex-wife and never met Bob or stepped foot in the shop while he was alive. In fact, the antics with scantily clad girls at the shows would have caused Bob to turn in his grave and has been a joke in my family for years. In my grandfather's words, the trademark is for hats and t-shirts. Russ doesn't make knives. He is a joke. Bob would have thrown him out on his ear. 
That is why the words daily operations of the Loveless Shop will now be in the capable hands of Russ Klain as an insult to the memory of Bob and Jim. My family owns the rights to the shop, and it was the wishes of Bob and Jim that the shop die with them. I implore any of you who read this to cherish the knives of these great men because they will never be seen again. Their craft lives on, and those who are true craftsmen like Steve Johnson, who works side-by-side with Bob, John Wilson, who works side-by-side with them both, David Sharp, Marcus Lynn, and Mike Lovett, who my grandfather respected and owned their knives, and who, in the words of my grandfather, made the finest knife on the market. Loveless Knives and Loveless Merit Knives will forever live on in the hearts and minds of many of us, but the torch will never be passed, and the shop is officially closed. Oh, oh. So, okay, I <laughs> that was such a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to look through here. Let's see. Um, okay, this is Bonnie Hooper. This is Jim's daughter, Bonnie. On behalf of my family, we would like to thank everyone for your response to my dad. We will do everything we can to protect and honor the best man, friend, mentor, anyone could ever have in their life. I understand that there are rumors going around that the shop will continue to make and sell knives. This is not true as there could never be another Bob Loveless or Jim Merritt making the knives. She spelt it with an F, which makes me twitch. It's a record scratch for me. says knives. Yeah. Yeah. uh, The shop was officially closed per my dad, Jim, before he passed. All we ask is that he receives the honor and respect his memory and, and respect his memory that he deserves. So it's like, so it's like, what is Mr. Klein going to do with the name, the copyright that he knows that he has now? Right. Uh, so th- this is really, really interesting. And uh, to be honest, I had no idea any of this was going on. I've met Russ uh, several times at Blade Show. We've had great talks. Uh, he seemed like a pretty informed cat. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously there were there were some things going on in the background that we did not know. No, about. of course. Yeah. Now, obviously, Bob's been dead for eye on twelve years now. I think. I think September of this year will be twelve years. When did he pass? Two thousand ten, two thousand seven, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not positive. I think around there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Jim's been making the knives even before Bob passed away. Um, I would expect merit knives to go up in value now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loveless knives will probably remain fairly static. Oh yeah, that because that's already been established. But now yes. merit knives are going to come up to really close to about the same. Yeah, if, exactly. Yeah, and mm-hmm. last year you could have bought a dropped hunter for twenty five hundred dollars, two thousand yep. dollars. This year is probably going to be closer to five. Yep. Yeah. Easily. And I don't know easily. if that means I'm hoping that it doesn't massacre the Loveless market because I'm trying to buy a user Loveless at Blade this year, <laughs> and if they go from 3500 5000 range to mm-hmm. 20 grand I'm completely out. Right. <laughs> right. So You're like, like well, I'll stick to just making them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, that yeah. was it was pretty sad news. Um this always does have an impact, you know, what we're kind of alluding to. It does have an impact on the market to some respect. I remember when the when Bob died, mm-hmm. the uh Gerber Guardian, yeah. maybe it was 2010 because I was on a gig in at Fort Knox. I was doing mm-hmm. a job at Fort Knox okay. at that time and I was at a show and there was a Gerber Guardian backup which was one of my first fixed blades. And nice. I was at, I'm like, oh my God, I got to have that. And I was expecting it to be like 40, 50 bucks. Yeah. But Bob had just died or it just died oh, right. a year ago maybe. Right. And I picked it up and the guy wanted $300 for it <laughs> because it says designed by RW Loveless stamped right. on the blade. I said, you're all, you're out of your mind. I actually <laughs> used some expletives and, and he then used some in return and recommended that I just not purchase the knife. But, yeah, but I can imagine that going much differently than how you outlined it. <laughs> right. so, um, but yeah, so these things do have a tendency to impact the market. Um, fortunately, I guess uh, the... Loveless made or merit made loveless knives were already prestigious. They mm-hmm. were already in yeah. the upper bracket. I mean, in the thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. And the thing about the loveless shop, and I'll never get tired of saying this, is uh, this is the antithesis of being a trendy fashion knife that it just bends with time mm-hmm. and and uh, fads. Yeah. So what this is is, I mean, Bob was able to develop and design timeless knives yep that are good looking no matter what right i mean yeah. from the 50s on to i don't know when the drop point came out i want to say it was in the 70s oh i don't know uh, yeah but, but yeah, sounds right i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. um 
you know, that is a design that is just, it's timeless. It's mm-hmm. practical. It's sexy today. By today's standards, yeah. it's still an impeccable it's design. I'm sitting yeah. here staring at a shoot knife with a great guard of <laughs> freaking out. But, uh, you know, and, you know, Jim was a huge part of what made them even more prestigious today. So, yeah, so that's the end of an era, the end of the Loveless Knife Shop as we know it with Jim Merritt at the mm-hmm. wheel, putting the steel to the wheel, as I like yeah, to say. Yeah, we will keep our ear to the ground and see what Mr. Klein's going to do with the copyright. Um, at all so uh, if we hear anything you guys will hear yeah most definitely so i think that uh, that wraps up our segment one oh for, good for today I, i've got an ex- exciting <laughs> all right awesome uh we will see you guys just after the break what's happening gang it's matt martin with behind the blade podcast um Ever since I was a little kid, I've, I've been into assembling kits. You know what I mean? Whether it's survival kits or camping kits or, you know, maybe the kit that goes in your saddlebag that has your tools in it and, you know, whatever it is. I tend to break things down into little, um, very comprehensive kits. Like, what is the one thing that I can reach into this box and I'll have everything I need for every eventuality? And I gotta say, fitting that paradigm just appealing to me on every level is the KME sharpening system because it comes in like this assassin grade black box and you open it up and there's die cut foam inside except instead of a 22 caliber sniper rifle that you may have seen in a 007 movie it is every possible attachment to sharpen every edged tool in my house or campsite that includes scissors axes pen knives recurve knives serrated knives i mean you name it this thing can do it and there are so many little components that you can kind of build mission specific kits if you wanted to maybe all you have is axes and you don't have a pen knife so you don't need the pen knife chaser maybe you're one of those hippies that doesn't get a haircut so you don't need the scissor attachment for it but maybe you are and you want those things and that is why you should visit kmesharp.com so you could build your ultimate sharpening kit please be sure to let them know that we sent you All right, this is going to be a little bit of a long one. I tell you, honestly, I was not interested in writing a history segment. It's kind of like homework, and the podcast, as mm-hmm. much as we love it, is like having a part-time job that you don't get paid for. So <laughs> I was like, Mom, I don't want to do my homework tonight, and you can't make me. This is definitely a passion project, though. So when Matt sat down to do this, I could tell by the look on his eye that, he's, that, that he was determined, though. He's like, he's like this is going to be good content. I'm going to do a good job tonight. It's going to be awesome. And then 10 minutes later, he, I'm hearing... Oh my God! What is this? (laughs) True story. Yeah, I went through like six or seven different brands and some of them require more research than others. If I had known how much of a rabbit hole this was going to be, I would have picked one of the easier ones that I thought was going to be too difficult, but it was too exciting (laughs) to put down. So here we are. And it's kind of uh, unassuming in its title. And today's history is going to be on Imperial slash Shrade. Imperial and Shrade. Now, anybody who's collected military knives definitely recognizes Imperial. Mm-hmm. Um, even little uh, magic knives and trick pocket oh, knives yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's um, very recognizable. I mean, everybody who knows Imperial are, already knows what the Maker's Mark looks like. They just pictured it in their heads. Exactly. I mean, it's, and, it's very distinct. And Shrade, mm-hmm. you can pick up today at any sporting goods store or any Walmart or yep. anything like mm-hmm. that. Right? Old timers. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah and absolutely. All that stuff. Excuse me. Um, All right, so Imperial actually got its start as the Empire Knife Company in Winstead, Connecticut in 1916. Uh, Felix and Michael Miranda, or Mirando, I've seen it written both ways, uh, they they worked for Empire from 1909 to 1910. And uh, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm messing this up. Mm -hmm. They worked for Empire, and Mike started in 1909, Felix started in 1910. Mm -hmm. Uh, They worked there until 1916 when they decided to start Imperial. So they branched off to kind of create their own brand after working at the Empire Factory. Uh, They had kind of humble beginnings, Imperial did, making what they call Valdemar or Waldemar, which are the pocket knife watch chains that you see, Mm -hmm. little fob knives. Yeah. Unbeknownst to them at that time, Imperial would eventually become the largest knife company in the United States. So these guys worked for a knife factory, splintered off, started their own thing that became the largest knife company in the U.S. I mean, like, dreams achieved. Uh, Yeah, right? right? Box checked. Yeah. 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 
Um, innovations and economy pricing are what kind of fostered their success. Mm-hmm. Nothing was sure. really expensive or elite, but they always came up with kind of, remember we were talking about the trick knives, the mm-hmm. magic knives. I mean, that was an imperial innovation. Um, now, fast forward to 1941. This is going to jump around. This is a Quentin Tarantino kind of <laughs> timeline, okay? Uh, fast forward to 1941. <laughs> Albert M. Baer, the chairman of Imperial, who, interestingly enough, was uh, in the 60s, he traveled with President Eisenhower's physician to raise awareness and funds for cardiology research and education, and he was awarded his first gold heart in 1968. So kind of a side story. This is the chairman of Imperial in 1941, long after uh, Michael and Felix uh, Miranda or Miranda. <laughs> um, he purchased the Ulster Knife Company of Ellenville, New York, as a move. I got to keep up with my notes. As a move to land military contracts. So Albert's brother Henry was the new conglomerate's first president. Also the namesake of the Uncle Henry line. Mm. All right, so okay. that's where gotcha. Uncle Henry came from. Right. That was Albert M. Bear's uh, brother. Yeah, and the event, the president, ultimate president of. Imperial. Yeah, so it's not just some dude. They have they have these other prestigious things yeah, exactly. behind them. That's and it cool. Just yeah. kind of keeps going. So they acquired Ulster so that they mm-hmm. could get all their military contracts. So now Imperial, which started as like a knife pocket uh, fob knife company, all right, is, is now all of a sudden it's grabbing up other companies. I thought that was kind of interesting. So the knives were stamped Imperial until 1988. Now to go. Now, uh, meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile in Sheffield, England. In 1892, George Schrade founded the New York Press Button Knife Company. Uh, he was originally from Sheffield, England, hence the reference. But this uh, press button mm-hmm. uh, press button knife company was founded in New York. Super cool. In the name. So needing startup capital for the New York Press Button Knife Company, Schrade sold partial interest in the company to Walden Knife Company. Now, all of a sudden, Schrade Walden, there's, there's a Shred correlation, Walden, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. In 1903, Schrade sold the rest of NYPBKC to Walden. And in 1904, he founded the Schrade Cutlery Company. So he sold all of his interests of the Press mm-hmm. Button Company to Walden. And then right. he went off to start Schrade Cutco Not bad. Uh, in Walden, New York, of course. In 1906 to 1907, Schrade patented the safety push-button knife switchblade with sliding safety. Now, you guys may recognize this from the parachute knives with mm-hmm. the kind of sliding safety, those orange handle knives. Yes. So it was a push-button, but it had a safety. Nice. Um, uh, later, with some mods, this would become the Presto knife. <laughs> so yeah, pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> for the next 55 years, Schrade would dominate the automatic knife industry. But in a strange turn of events... Schrade would eventually buy the recently closed Walden Cutlery Company specifically to obtain leftover handle materials. So they bought the whole company just for inventory? They had closed down, so okay. he bought their inventory. He might as well buy the IP, too, while he's at it. Exactly. Right? So yeah. this was in 1920s that this happened. So it's nuts. It, a few years earlier, mm-hmm. they had kind of invested in his company to get started. Uh-huh. Then they closed down, and he bought their company. So, which is wild. That's that's crazy. It's like eating your parents. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. So, now we're going to go 1911 to 1916. George Schrade lived in Zollingen, Germany. Although he had recently developed the latest auto innovation in the Springer knife, and this is in quotations, he was forced to relinquish all assets in support of the war effort by the German government. This meant that the oh. Springer was unprotected by patents and was frequently copied by Zollinger Knife companies. Oh, no. So his greatest invention to date all of a sudden just got absorbed by the government. Stolen <clears throat> and, right from underneath him. And the pattern was able to be knocked off in perpetuity. Oh, man. Oh. So, being fairly (laughs) fed up with that, in 1917, George licensed his Flylock design to the Challenge Cutlery Company. Uh, Schrade eventually joined Challenge uh, as an official employee or designer or consultant. I'm not sure in what capacity, but he did officially join their team. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, simultaneously, he was running the Schrade Cutlery Company. Mm -hmm. So, he was still running that back in the States after kicking rocks in Germany. Um, in 1928, though, Challenge closed after the death of its owner. So Schrade then opened the George Schrade Knife Company in Bridgeport using the newly acquired machinery from Challenge. Gotcha. So now all of a uh-huh. sudden the Schrade line is like, oh, we'll take your yeah. uh, we'll take your equipment. You know what I mean? <laughs> so not only did he take the handle materials from the 
Walden, Walden Company, but now from Challenge, he's got equipment, right? Bro, that's that's nuts. This is all happened. So, uh, it's like an amalgamation of different knife parts. You it's, know, it, it's <laughs> nuts, man. It's like mixing up a Rubik's Cube. Like, it's right. hard to tell, you know, where everything came from. So, this new iteration made Presto and Wirejacks, which mm. I believe Reed over at North Star Trading Post has a Wirejack in his inventory right now. I was overlooking at it. Super that's cool. That's awesome, knife. man. Very minimalistic. Um, very sturdy. It was like a fishing knife. Very, just a neat, neat knife. It's got a wire frame and that's it. That's slick. Yeah, it's yeah. very cool in the way the blade fits into it and everything. Um, he also made many other economy pocket knives. Now, George died in either 1940 or 1945. There seems to be some dispute. And the George Schrade Knife Company was sold to Boker <laughs> in 1956. This is, oh, so it, it, it's so like. It's it's so just like incestuous, right? Yeah, that's exactly. What I was yeah. trying to avoid using that word. <laughs> it is it's not just yeah. like eating your parents. It's <laughs> like awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. So, which is all well and good. So, Boker grabbed the name. Said these guys are titans of mm-hmm. the automatic knife industry. This yeah. is fantastic. We're gonna grab them up in 1958. Though, as you guys know, there was a ban on switchblades. A yes. federal ban. And that's all it took to close Schrade's division down, uh, Boker's division, Schrade division. Thanks, Reader's Digest. Yeah, closed yeah. it right down. <laughs> so, however, we can't forget about the Schrade Cutlery Company because that is still in existence. He had mm-hmm. two companies, George Schrade and Schrade Cutlery Company. Oh. So Schrade Cutlery Company still huh. working in the periphery, mm-hmm. and it had already been sold to Imperial in 1946, and Imperial rebranded it the Schrade Walden Cutlery Corporation. <laughs> so like we, we haven't monetized this IP yet. So. <laughs> I just feel like, and then all of a sudden the, the two worlds collided. You know, okay, yes. so there's the relation uh-huh. between the two. And that also kind of helps you date your knives. So because this history segment, right. depending on the tank stamp, you can learn a lot of what era this came out of. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see. Uh, a fire consumed the Walden factory in 1958, forcing the Schrade Walden Cutlery Company to move to Ellenville, New York which we know is where Imperial was based out of, right? So Imperial maintained steady growth into the 70s, but restructured in the 80s. uh, And basically, they kind of divested the brand a little bit. They they had a bunch of holdings in this conglomeration. They started kind of streamlining. And in 83, Albert Baer, the president's... the guy that went traveling with the president's with the doctor. Pre- president's yeah, position, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Albert Baer took the, the company private by buying up the remaining shares. And right. he, it was privately owned at that point. So in 85, he changed the name to the Imperial Schrade Corp. <laughs> Back and forth. <laughs> July 2004, they celebrated the 100-year anniversary, and there was some ambiguity here. But I'm assuming at that point, the Ellenville factory was already closed. And the name now belongs to Taylor Brands, which is a China-based manufacturing outfit. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every gas station knife, all the knives yep. that you would see at flea markets, uh, especially through the 80s, like the really nice Gerber Mark IIs, these are all yep. Taylor Brands. You know Taylor what I mean? Brand, yep. Um, so here's the cliffhanger, though. Okay. In July of 2016, a division of Smith & Wesson announced that they were going to be purchasing Taylor Brands. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Including the Schrade, the Schrade name, right? And I imagine Imperial, right? And Walden, and and Schrade Walden. <laughs> so isn't the that nuts? Thing. Though, yeah, and that that's happens funny. more times than I think we understand or give credit to mm-hmm. that these brand names that we have associated with brand names our grandfathers carried yeah. are not part of the same company whatsoever. Well, though there, there wasn't really a, any way to follow any of that, and it's not like there was like some sort of a news segment about and a, this a, is surrounding business. surrounding a cult following about knives so it's not like it's not like any of that was public knowledge this is just business right this is just like all you saw was one year you went to your trade shop and you saw trade knives and then the next year after world war ii you know you know after after everybody's back from world war ii all of a sudden everything's trade walden yeah, yeah exactly you know? yeah <laughs> and all you saw was just the trade and you went huh Okay, and then you bought it, and then I mean, look at Western. You know, know, Western changed. Yes, absolutely. Western states knives. Western. I mean, we went through all that in the Western uh, knives history segment, and so, but that wasn't as much of a changing of hands. That was a rebranding more so. Yeah, that was that was a rebranding more so, and a restructuring, and then like a uh, we're changing the brand just a little bit to signify so we can so we can date our product and have a history. This is like like an incestuous back and forth. And why did he move? Why did he move to Germany if he was from Sheffield, England? Moved to the United States, you know, emigrated to the United States. Why would he then pick up 
shop and move to Germany Especially, only to have yeah. the German government muscle him out of his IP. <laughs> I, I, it's nuts. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like he had it. And he had it. He should have just stayed in America. <laughs> right. It would have been fine. It would have been fine. He ended up being okay anyways because yeah. he had a thing for switchblades and he's been making them for a hundred years. So you know it must I mean? be so, fine now. Yeah. For nuts. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty crazy though. And every time you look at an old timer now, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that started. As a, a switchblade maker, yeah, the New York absolutely. Press Button Knife Company, yeah, you know what I mean. It's nuts. It's cool. It's, yeah. it, that, that's a super cool history, man. Thanks thought, for let's thanks for looking up that info. That was awesome. I hope I didn't overhype it. And this was a rabbit hole, and it took a lot of research to find a lot of the things that I found. And there was a lot of stuff that I left out, like uh, I, the history. I think of challenge well, that was one. Oh yeah, you didn't even mention that when no, you were when you were briefing me a little bit a little bit. Right, earlier, you know? it, dude, that yeah. was a whole thing. That was many you know paragraphs. Which look, it's twenty nineteen. Many paragraphs is a lot of reading. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit more than your average Twitter post. <laughs> right. Just to let you guys know. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was. Uh, I just thought it was fascinating to see how many times his brand had moved around, and then to be left with that cliffhanger that oh, and Smith and Wesson announced that they're going to be buying Taylor Brands. Right, yeah, pretty right. crazy. It's now it's now full geographic loop right you know exactly. <laughs> around, the United yeah. States, around, around the world so all right thanks dan all right well, we will catch you guys in the q a segment following shortly howdy gang i was doing some thinking i got all excited about the uh kme sharpener and the kit and the box and all the equipment and everything and then i got to thinking well that's wonderful when you're at base camp and when you're at home. But what if you were weight conscious and pack conscious and you wanted to have like the most versatile tool to maintain your edge tools um, while in the field? And you wanted something that you could carry in your pocket or in a pocket of your pack that took up virtually no space, but maximized every surface on a three-dimensional item. Well, have I got some fantastic news for you. Genda Industries just came out with the Naniwa Chosera Stones, and these things are like a little leatherman of sharpening. So they've got a peaked side, like a beveled side, which allows you to get really tight into spaces up against the plunges and get that sharpening just right. And these are Japanese water stones, but they also have the two flat surfaces, so you could do basic conventional sharpening. They're a little bit shorter, and they demand a little bit of a technique to them, but when you're talking about weight and space savings, this really is all you would possibly need. The best thing, though, is on the edge, they've got a radius kind of bullnose shape on one of the sides, which allows you to do serrations. It allows you to do recurves. It allows you to use it as a like a burnishing tool. If you were going to use it like a kitchen steel, basically, just moving and recentering that burr, you can use it on that round surface. So you've got this versatile bullnose side that allows you to do the serrations and the recurves and the basic uh, steel sharpening. Then you've got this really tiny, precise bevel, which allows you to get in there. You can sharpen scissors with these things. You can sharpen anything. If you want to see the full scoop, all you have to do is go to gendaindustries.com and check out their Chosera slip stones. They come in a multitude of grits, so you can figure out which is the perfect. In the field, I would recommend kind of a medium coarse spectrum because that's where you're going to get the most repair and refinement out of it. But let's say that you travel with a straight razor and you want something that slips into your kit, then obviously you're going to go for the ultra fine. So you can kind of custom tailor it to that. And now you've got sharpening to go. And you go home, you've got sharpening. You leave the house, you've got sharpening. You go into the field, you've got sharp tools. What is better than that? Go check out jendaindustries.com. Be sure to tell them Behind the Blade sent you. And Jim, do they have a coupon code for us right now? I believe they did, Matt. It was BTB Trench to use at checkout. Save 10% on most sharpening products and straps. And now we are back with our favorite segment, the Q&A. And what? Your levels were off the charts They were right there. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm, trying, so I'm, I'm going through. I'm like, I'm feeling good about this intro yeah. in the back of my head. Then Matt like gets this panicked look on his face and reaches over to the mixer. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what did I do? <laughs> but no, we're back. Um, we love this segment because it writes itself. And uh, we ask you guys for information and questions, and you guys never fail to deliver. So we're just going to go ahead and start with our first question, Mr. Matt. This comes from a Mrs. Abigail Stewart. Wait, what? Uh, what time are you coming home? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I had this huge buildup. <laughs> when we're done, Abby, that's Jim's wife, by the way. She yeah. just chimed in and threw a joke on there. <laughs> Love you, All sweetie. Right. First, right. uh, first question from Oliver Morissette. What is, oh, this is an interesting question. What is Jim's favorite vehement knife model and why? And what is Matt's favorite Bark River knife model and why? All right. Well, I can answer that first question. My favorite vehement knife is your Kudomisa. Oh, I like it when people say that because yeah. that, that's my favorite too. Yeah, it that's really that's probably that that one that one by far is 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 my favorite model that you make. I think it is the most elegant model, and uh, and your your lines are very clean. It's a very wide, very purpose very purposeful blade. And when you look at it, you can tell it's done on purpose. I feel like you're reading my eulogy to me. <laughs> I don't take compliments well. I don't fare well when people are like, "This is what I like about you." And the well, things this you is do. a lose lose situation because this is my favorite knife that you have. Yeah. I'm answering the question. So. He was a good man, very deliberate in his speech. Yeah. Drank a fair amount of beer. Dra- yeah, yeah. <laughs> delivered ad copy in one take. Loved yeah. it. Yeah. So the kudo misa that would yeah, be your favorite. The kudo misa by far. I yeah. want to make another batch of those. It's been too long. Absolutely. I, I I really cherish that knife, and I it, sold mine, my personal one. So you just got to let me know how much the down payment is, and I'll give you cash, and then you make me one out of that batch. Do you want to do today's <laughs> prices, or what it's going to be worth when you do, when I deliver it to you? Because they I'm seem not, to be going up in value, and my lead times are so friggin' long that it's like an investment that matures. I'm not rich enough, so what was your initial price? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Okay, <clears throat> and Bark River model, I'm such a knife... <laughs> Excuse Lady me. of the night. You like that? How I censored that? Femme de nuit. So when, you know, we do grind-ins, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I will help out with grind-ins. And uh, usually for, I don't know, 30 hours of labor, I get comped a knife. That I still get the pleasure of making. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I go over to the archive table at every grind in and I sit there and I search through all the blades and I usually narrow it down to about 40 models that are my favorite that month. You know what I mean? But I would say one knife that stands out and this is very much out of character for me. I own this knife. I was actually given this knife by your dad before we even Mm -hmm. moved up here. Uh, I freaked out at the release and then three days later, there was one on my front porch, <laughs> and I was very excited about it. And that is the just the standard Bravo Survivor. Oh, you know what? I remember that. Believe it I or remember not, that. yes, it has got all the Rambo blood pumpage to it. Oh, yeah. without being a compensation piece. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when you pick it up, and Jen and I were just down in the basement having a cigarette. Uh, half of my basement is divided. And on one half, we call it bunker side because there's two sides. There's lounge side, which is like this steampunk Victorian lounge. And then there's bunker side, which is exactly what you're picturing. And it's just racks of backpacks and trunks of knives and all this stuff. And in there, I, I pulled out my Survivor, which I don't take camping nearly enough. But uh, I was like, if I had to, honestly, if I had to take one knife, like into the world scenario, um, you know, you would think that you would take the Felkneven S1 because I like it so much. You know what I mean? And I use it for everything. And honestly, it would work for everything I needed to do. But to be honest, if I wanted to leave an axe at home, hmm. I would take the Survivor. But it would still function as a knife. Yep. Whereas some <laughs> choppers are really just weird axes. That's, that's yeah, all yeah, that. They don't have any knife capacity. They're, they're strange-shaped axes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, the, normally it goes perpendicular to the handle. <laughs> um, but in this case, it actually functions as a knife. It's mm-hmm. really not oversized or obtuse in any way. No, no. It's thick on the spine. It's uh, It's got a really, really good size to it, but it's definitely very aggressive. And if you needed to chop yeah. with it, you absolutely could. And it's got yeah. some curve appeal. Like, yeah. I have a ramped version. I honestly, I really like that when you guys uh, take the ramp off. Yep, just like, make it rampless. It, mm-hmm. Those look really cool, mm-hmm. but they kind of delve into generic Bowies to me for some reason. Well, no, so, I mean, I mean that, that ramp is a little bit of a flare. It, I, I, I mean, mean, it is. You and, know? And, and, it, and I think in its placement and, uh, and its usage, where you put your thumb in front of it, actually, like, lends itself to its usability because it's a little bit more secure in your hand, right? Yeah, So. I, you know, I just like the way it looks. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna pretend like you know what. I feel like this knife performs 100 percent better because it's got this protuberance on the spine. <laughs> so, no, I, I jump right into ad mode. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you about this. Yeah, no, it's uh, I I just I like that knife, and every time I pick it up, I feel really good about it. 
Um, but um, you know, and then there's like the wilderness explorer, yeah, wilderness explorer. Well, yep. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, so the wilderness explorer. It, it's a Bob Loveless design. So could that be my favorite Bark River knife? Do I think they do it justice? Yeah, I think they do a great job with it. Do I Thank think you. that's a beautiful knife? And that I always, I actually, uh, I made one and then I gifted it to somebody and. Uh, so I don't have one, but I got the, everything when you're a knife maker is just bringing it to reality. And then it ends up in a pile of other knives. Well, and, and we, we immediately put it into a category of this is finished now. Yeah. And it, then, and then we're, we're right. on to something else. Right. No, I know. That's so something I, got I totally get to everything out mm-hmm. of the Explorer in the making of it. Um, uh, but the, the survivor, I like owning it <laughs> yeah. you know, like that's, so that's how i mark my favorite knives like i like having this i didn't have to make it or anything i just like having it and i like using it and it's fun and it takes good photographs and it's got i don't know it's got some curb peel so that would be my favorite marker for knife uh today i also really like uh what's that one the springbok springbok yes yeah yes there was a guy mm-hmm. uh big dude he was at uh kind of a cool looking guy kind of a monster guy i want to see he was like a nurse or some shit i don't oh, sorry <laughs> uh but i met him at a grinding mm-hmm. and he had you know some people i think i know who you're talking about i can't this remember is... the guy's name but he was clean cut but yep. he was he was he was bigger but you're... clean cut yeah, he was, a, he was either a doctor or like a like an rn yeah, it, yeah. which is good because you can rip your arms off and stitch them back on for <laughs> it and so the guy was just a beast of a guy i remember yeah. that and i'm pretty diminutive cat anyway so everybody's <laughs> big to me after 510 but uh he sometimes there's I'm going to wax lyrical for just a minute. Sometimes you see an individual or you see a scenario and in that scenario is an appropriately placed implement and that elevates that implement. So in this case, this guy had a Kydex sheath made for his Springbok and mm-hmm. he, he struck me as kind of a cool dude. And when we were talking, we had like a pretty good conversation. He just seemed like a like a cool guy. Like I just like talking to him. But when he produced that Springbok, all of a sudden I saw the Springbok through new eyes. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because like, well, well, uh, Mick Jagger carries one. So I have to carry one too. <laughs> I, I'm saying that this guy, his personality was reflected in this knife. And so I think that is kind of latent on that knife. So I have mm-hmm. more respect and appreciation for that model that I may have glassed over previously. And when I held it and looked at it and he was showing it to me, I was like, this is a cool knife and you're a cool dude. And I kind of like this ensemble. That's awesome. So <laughs> like, that was, yeah, that's, so awesome. I, that, that's another one that ranks pretty high up there. It's a weird <laughs> scenario. It's hard to articulate, but uh, I would say that I was influenced into liking the Springbok. Gotcha. After seeing this gotcha. guy have it. Honorable, honorable, honorable mention. Oh. I believe they would call that. Yeah. Very cool. So <laughs> next question. All right. Let's make it less weird. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm still, still have a, still have a cold. Um, Gino Senchi. That's how you pronounce that, right? Sensi, 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 Gino, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. Yep. Assuming you guys are following YouTube creators and their trips to SHOT Show, are you fellas interested, interested in any new knives slash gear being released this year? So I haven't been following it a whole lot because I've been super busy at the shop, but the stuff that has crossed my feed, I believe it was Essie, came out with like a new line. They have a lot of Moran influence in some of their stuff. Do, do what now? They have a lot of Moran, <laughs> Moran influence, like that Moran handle. Uh, no, I'm, I understand what yeah. you're saying. I don't understand... I can't, I can't make the construct in my mind. Like, I, can't, <laughs> I could be totally wrong okay. about that too. But uh, there, about the company too. Hold on, hold on. I have to, I have to look it up. But the main knife that actually grabbed my attention that I thought was really interesting that had some style coming from one of one of these companies was a knife called the Ripper. God, so, gosh, I, I, gosh, darn it! Just, just Don't. hang on. Let me show you. Let me okay. try to find it. Oh, and Gino, I, just a little aside to you personally. Um, I don't like anything new. I'm uh, <laughs> reluctant to change in just about every way. And uh, tops? Yeah. No. Nope. Oh, it's top. Oh, of course it's tops. Nope, it's not tops. Okay. Nope, it's not tops. Of course it's not tops. So don't be ridiculous. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> you like how the, I did that? The, the... <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I, I think. Yeah, even even gear. Like when I shop backpacks, everyone's all Go Ruck or Tad Gear or whatever, and I'm all. Uh, what do you guys have in like a Swiss pattern World War II backpack? So uh, that's uh, I'm really bad about cutting edge stuff when it comes to technology. <laughs> yep. So uh, I can't find it, but it was called the Ripper, and it was either it was either Essie 
or it was Ontario. Okay. And I can't remember who it was, and I can't find it right away. And that's really good prep job on my part. Excellent. I just wrote there. five but pages worth of notes, Jim. You couldn't look up one stinking knife? I, Come on. I didn't read this question beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, you guys should uh, definitely take, check that out. There, I, I know that uh, in their line, they had something that was very... Um, um, it was like a, it looked like our crusader, but it had a it, but it had a, a a swooped, like like Persian style clip to it, oh. and a Moran handle. Interesting. And uh, they had they put a Moran handle on a machete. Interesting. And uh, and, and then it was and it and it was this I ripper hate that. this ripper knife, oh, okay. which which was which, which was like a a pointy, which is like a really really kind of pointy kind of wide blade a, with sacks. No, no, it was not saxed. Okay. It, it wasn't like a scram of sax or a sax. It was it was the center line drop point, but it was oh, almost okay. like a spear point okay. at the same time. It was just like a... Spe- it was a spear point. He's pantomiming. Spear and, point, and he's yeah. pantomiming, getting ready to dive into a pool is what he's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys couldn't see it. I couldn't understand it. I'm just relaying it as I call it. Yeah. We're, we're going to have, yeah. we're gonna have to have an audible narrator <laughs> just, just just translate the rest of the show. Jim pantomimes in a swooping motion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, all right. Uh, but but uh, no that um that was the stuff that I had seen that, uh, so far out of this and it looked cool look, I mean I thought it was I thought it was a good direction for that company I just for the life of me cannot remember which one it was obviously it had a deep but, lasting impact yeah uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> all right bonus question are you planning on creating any BTB swag like stickers patches t shirts etc in uh, long story short story yes <laughs> yeah short story yes slightly but longer but still very. You know, a story with brevity is that we'd like to um, increase our audience by expanding a little bit first, and then we're going to get right into probably all of those things. Yeah, this has been a very long game of chess played by a couple of dunces, and so we barely have time to play. Yeah, who barely (laughs) show up to play, right? So uh, we've actually been kind of building our infrastructure behind the scenes to be able to move to video. Not exclusively, mm-hmm. but in higher capacity than our one video that we have up right now. Right. So as we acquire the appropriate equipment to give you guys the best visual experience, we're kind of holding off on all other things. And um, I guess all powers. Uh, well, there's a Star Trek reference here. Hold on. Start that again. Hang on. All, uh, divert all powers to force fields. Yes. That's what it is. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're diverting all power to... Uh, um, deflector shields to video yeah, yep. deflector shields right so we're, we're, as we move towards that we plan on growing our audience once the video channel becomes a little bit more active mm-hmm. and once we launch these next four videos that we're in the middle of um and when we do that then we will start kind of kicking up the swag because we think the audience will grow i mean as much as we would love to give you guys uh shirts right now we just need to kind of get over that hump and get the listenership actually our listenership is is huge it's it's pretty good so like maybe we should do (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts so so um our total hold on let let me let me me just crass is it crass to discuss your followership online or on air i I don't think so okay we're gonna assume that it's not crass to do what we're about to do nope it's it's definitely not because i'm assuming that's the rule um (laughs) (laughs) um hang on oh we've got some good we've got some good playership in just the last week alone um all right total count we're talking through 2017 2018 and what's been of 2019 so far which is right now one episode that we're recording as you we are at 69,687 downloads Okay, that's pretty. I mean, it seems pretty decent. Right? It's pretty decent yeah. considering where we are and uh, the time that we have available to do it, and um, and that we're idiots, and and that we're idiots, yeah. and people like listening to us for some reason. I don't know. Right. Yeah, but that's pretty cool. I mean, our top, our our, our top played track. Actually, I can talk about that too. Our top played track because track is actually episode twenty five. Is that the Buck Knives episode? Camillus Knife History. Oh, believe it or not, no kidding. It's Camillus Knife History. Um, there was there was a ninety day period where the Buck Knives History was like a dramatically more listened to episode than everything else. Yeah, we brought our A game that time. Yeah, <laughs> but but our top played tra- <laughs> but our top played track, um, according to SoundCloud's Pulse app, is uh, Camillus Knife History. There you go. So yeah, so maybe cool. yeah, we probably should. Uh, stickers would probably be easy just from a logistics standpoint. Um, oh yeah, that one's, that one's easy. In koozies, maybe patch. I'm talking with oh I gotta send him the artwork. Sorry, Jeffrey. I'm supposed <laughs> to send him the artwork for patches on Monday. <laughs> so it's like that. Um, all right. Next. All right, next question. Justina Stella Luna Shine. That's a cool name, Justina. I like that. If money, materials, etc. were not an obstacle, 
what is your dream blade you would create? Interesting question. All right, so you're going to laugh at me. You're going to go meteorite. N- no. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought you would. No, no me- meteorite, like, like, I don't know. I have this thing where it's like, I have no idea what that is. Oh, I see the heat treat gets a little right, right. foggy. So I'm, so I'm so I'm like I'm like I immediately go to I'm gonna make this knife. It's gonna look super cool, but the second I use it, it's gonna chip along all of those fractal points. Yeah, okay, I'm tracking. <laughs> so <coughs> chopped and formed Damascus. <laughs> That's like cheap beef jerky. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but but since I'm a super nerd and uh, Conan the Barbarian is one of my favorite aspects, I definitely go for the the sword that Conan finds in the cave. Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, the Atlantean yeah. sword, the, the, the leather wrapped handle and everything the, the 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 hand grip you know just just forward of the guard yep. and uh the giant fuller down the center of the blade i would absolutely make that out of andy trung you uh influenced me on this one to make it out of cpm 1v Ooh, good call yeah. that would be that would be pretty slick and i would love 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 to be able to take that project on mm-hmm. um justina by money i'm assuming that you mean time because uh when it comes <laughs> to knife making that is probably the most valuable resource and I am going to answer with something that is so friggin' cliche that people <laughs> might even be surprised to hear me say it. If time were no issue, mm-hmm. like I just had six weeks, all my bills paid, beer budget covered, cigarette budget covered. Just all the needs met. Everything's fine. If mm-hmm. I had that period of time, I would probably make a uh, katana with some Ooh, tutelage. Yeah. And so that, that, I, is, that would yeah. be, uh, to me, that would be, and I mean, not an Americanized over length, like an appropriate length for me, right. like a, a shorter, more traditional size mm-hmm. um, or more typical size, I should say. Just like typical Matt Martin style kind of a katana? Or yeah, like it's going to have radius choil and recurve. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, I'm talking like a traditional methods kind of like a thing. Yeah, or, no, or, I, yeah, yeah, I would want it. I would want it. Uh, I, I want to wear the robe and everything. Like, uh, absolutely. I, I want it to be like dude ranch of katana making. I want pictures. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I would do. Um, and, cool. and to also just kind of go back, I would say three to four years ago on my birthday, and it actually took about three months leading up to my birthday, but I completed it on my birthday. Mm-hmm. I made a Fairbane Sykes pattern to commando dagger. Oh, I think I, I think you still have it, don't it's you? It's in my case yeah, downstairs. It's, it's yeah. awesome. It's and, a really good repro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it looks historically right. Except yeah. it's out of three V, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> and and so <laughs> if money and materials were not an obstacle in this case they were not it was all made from scrap that i found in the shop and at junk stores not bad right and so this was that knife so before three years ago that's what that's the knife i would answer this question with nice yeah nice all right what's next all right from excuse me wow phil remington what other blade related content do you gents subscribe to podcast youtube channel forged in fire so I've never actually watched an episode of Forge and Fire. No. I saw a clip of our friend Pete Winkler. Go Pete. Winning his episode of Forge and Fire. But that's the most I've ever I've ever yeah. I've ever seen. I've met Murray Carter, who's been on Forge and Fire. I've met Mace Vitality. And Murray Carter gave me chocolates at Blid. <laughs> and remember, Murray Carter gave those to you. That's what that's the last thing he said to me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I met Murray Carter. <laughs> that's, that's that's gotta be a tone tale. That's fantastic. Um I've met Mace Vitali, very nice gentleman. And of course and of course Pete Winkler was on there too. And uh and uh that's the extent of Forge and Fire for me. But as far as other stuff goes, um we uh, we got our friend Tom Krein and Mark of the Maker. Yep. As far as podcasts go, there's uh, there's there's Knife Talk and uh, a number of other knife related podcasts out there that you can find just by searching knives. And uh, and as far as I can tell, they're all very good. YouTube channels. Um, there is only really one other like knife making YouTube channel. There's a razor making YouTube channel that is, that I subscribe to, but um, it's it's uh, it's a British dude who actually just recently moved to the United States to Montana from Great Britain where he did forging there. He does forging here too now. His name is Alex Steele. Um, oh, that guy that he does really hot. Yep. Yeah, Jim he, showed me a couple yeah, of his he's, videos. He's a young guy and he's got this beautiful cinematic editing style coupled with, you know, like like rock and pop music, you know, that uh, that, 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 he, that he pulls down royalty free to, to overlay over all of his tracks and he times like uh, his camera motions with the music and everything. Just excellent editing. Very entertaining to watch. And uh, he uses a lot of the same techniques that Matt and I use. So, so it's, it's nothing that we wouldn't do either. It's just, you know, he's, he also makes it look cooler. Yeah. He just (laughs) makes it look cool. So, so I'm like, so I'm like, he uses a, 
120 frame rate, second rate. You know, <laughs> F- FPS in his footage right there, and he slows it down. I can tell. I can tell what he's doing. I can tell. I mean, that's a really good idea. So, <laughs> so what about you, sir? I... I'm so uninteresting. Matt's like, busy making lie. knives. That's yeah. what's going on. I, well, no, I, <laughs> I, you know, I love the knife industry, but mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a reader. Uh, I'm a reader more than a watcher. No, and, and, and Matt and I've had this conversation too that Matt absorbs information best in text form. Yep. Yep. So mm-hmm. I've got a lot of books, and uh, my favorite YouTube channel is Mike Stewart's Office because I go in there and I raid his library and I read his <laughs> books and I take pictures of the pages so that I can read them later <laughs> if I have to leave. And so I'm kind of a bookworm in that sense. Um, <coughs> wow, when it comes me, to blade related <clears throat> stuff, like I, I, I really, I don't, I don't really look at it anymore. When mm-hmm. I was first beginning you don't know where to start right so and when i was first beginning youtube obviously existed and everything like that but there wasn't knife making tutorials on there no like there not is at today. all yeah. like it's crazy i mean if you wanted to learn how to solder a guard you had to crack a book yeah. or you had to know somebody and that was it so yeah. um so i really never got much from that teat so it is not one that i feel like i have to return to so when it really comes down to podcast i have one podcast that i listen to uh and that is Ask Paul Kirtley. He's a British bushcraft instructor who's a little, uh, I don't know how to describe it without using a C word. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but he's got some really good information mm-hmm. and Paul seems like a really cool guy. So uh, I, he seems to know, like he, he sounds like he knows a lot. So I, but I, I listen to that and I, I will watch, survival lily um oh, oh I, I follow survival lily that's right yeah so I, mm-hmm. I do watch a lot yes. of survival lily obviously i'm a father to a daughter and a husband to a wife and i feel like uh you know there is a point where it's kind of cool to see chicks doing stuff like that's not like doesn't have to be qualified you're like that's pretty good for a girl you know no, what I mean? yeah yeah none of that so i would but, way rather yeah surround my family with hey check out this lady what she's doing this Mm -hmm. is awesome she's better at it than i am i learn a lot from every episode that she puts out Mm -hmm. and i feel like it sets like a good it's kind of strengthening to my daughter yeah and it's inspiring to my my old lady too like jenna likes it also and and she's like hey you know she can do stuff i can do stuff and my daughter just grows up in this environment where it's like I can do any damn thing I want. And, right. And, and that, so that's, that's amazing. That's cool. So that's, yeah. that's it. That's, that's pretty much, I listen to Paul Kirtley on podcasts and I watch survival Lily on YouTube. I did watch Jenna and I sat down and watched like this 45 minute video on how they make Nixie tubes. Um, so, you know, those little vacuum tubes with the numbers that cycle through oh, them yes. and they kind of glow okay. orangish red. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's there's, actually a purchase goal for us. There's, yeah, we want one for the, <laughs> yeah, the, for the studio. Right, okay. like, timer. Yeah. Um, the, there's only one guy and he's got a small outfit in like Sweden mm-hmm. and he makes them and the process is absolutely fascinating. That's and, cool. and so that's the kind of stuff that I look at. Like, I really don't focus on knife stuff other than reading um, but when I get on YouTube, I like to see how obscure things are made mm-hmm. or how to, that's it. Yeah. Just how stuff's made and how to do stuff. Yeah. But not really as much knife related. And I can be kind of a pompous ass when it comes to knives. So <laughs> like, I don't want to see how a guy leaves 60 grit scratches on his master bevels. Like that doesn't impress uh, me at all. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean? so, yeah. We we can, we have a tendency to notice stuff like that. Zach Buchanan. Watch Zach Buchanan videos. Same thing. Well, he, no, he posts them to uh Facebook. I don't know if he has a YouTube channel or anything mm-hmm. like that, but you want to talk about a guy who is in Steve Johnson, Jim Merritt, Bob Loveless territory maybe even beyond oh yeah he makes loveless knives like that's that's his stock and trade um and he's mastered it and watching him work you're like wow that's pretty cool man nice (laughs) nice and he's a really unassuming very humble very cool guy and i mean he could out knife just about anybody i know like so he's really phenomenal so yeah i would check his stuff out but I, i don't like subscribe to it but when he posts a video i really enjoy watching it all right cool is that i i think i think I think that's an episode, man. That's a podcast. That's a podcast, and we've got plenty of questions for next week due to the due to the one thing in which we which we love, by the way, we love interacting with you guys, and it's fantastic. But your questions give us so much stuff to talk about because because it's it's ever expanding, and they're really good questions. And uh, there aren't any questions like, well, 
do like blue or red. Right, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing like that. So, but uh, but thank you guys. So this is uh, Jim Stewart signing off for a very punchy Matt Martin who's answering questions like to the <laughs> deepest <laughs> level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. We're we're tapped out and uh we're signing out. So catch you guys later. <laughs>